0: This is the cherished you podcast. I am your host Rama. This is an evergreen content warning. Um, this podcast talks a lot about abuse and, uh, trauma and surviving from both. Uh, we talk about narcissistic abuse. So please understand that if you are not comfortable with talking about those things and your mental health openly and honestly maybe with not, uh, so much polish, uh, this may not be the space for you. Also understand that, uh, this top, this podcast also tackles, uh, societal issues of racism, capitalism, um, patriarchy, misogyny, whiteness. So if any of these, I, um, these topics trigger you, please feel free to leave this space and, um, without comment, (laughs) and without any vitriol. Um, and that is perfectly fine for both you and I. Thank you. Back. Thanks so much for joining me today. Um, so today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about, um, I'm going to dive into one topic that I cover with my clients a lot, which um, is the core wounds of narcissistic abuse, particularly maternal narcissistic abuse. Um, And this is A, because I am currently in the process of moving through uh, some of my own trauma and uh, my the, um, my own layers around these wounds myself right now, um, and I always like to talk about what I um, am experiencing. A because we um, we don't get. I don't think we, especially with all of the media that we have available to us, all of the the quote unquote inside worlds that we experience on the internet or on TV, or any any form of media we don't usually get the messy middle um exposure we think we are but it's still carefully curated it's still um refined and filterized so that it's appropriate for public consumption and i am uh, not going to be doing that (laughs) um because i think that it's important to to show people and to be um an example as best as I can while, um, trying to maintain my own boundaries as well. Um, but to, uh, to be able to show and, uh, embody the, the humanness that exists in all of us. So that's a part of why I am diving into, um, a little bit of uh, on one of the core wounds today. Um, and also, um, I also know that if I'm going through something, I'm not the only one who's going through it. It's impossible for that to be true. So um, maybe it'll help someone who's in the middle of their own mess right now and they feel like they're alone and there's no one else who can, I, who can um, understand what they're going through. And hopefully this helps that person in some way. So um, the one wound that I'm going to kind of dive into to today, and uh, and I'll give some backstory as to why I chose this one, um, is the mother wound. Um, one thing to kind of make clear off on from the onset is that a mother wound doesn't necessarily come from your mother. It's it's a wound around mothering and what that represents. Um, the one thing. I've had to learn on my journey, what I try to have my clients kind of come to on on their journeys when they do work with me, is understanding that, unfortunately, for us who experience maternal narcissistic abuse, we know better than most that the, the exaltation of the mother, the role of a mother, um, a woman's role as a mother, um, the place a mother is, quote unquote, supposed to have in your life, is to a large extent bullshit. And that is really hard to reconcile when you are surrounded by people who do um, keep their mothers on a pedestal whether because they were trained to and can't see her as a full human being so they see her in that one role and well you know she was great and they, all these and they put all of these very um abnormally high expectations on her and anyone who may ha- come around to embodying a similar role in their own lives so whether it's a sister a wife um a, a partner um whatever, however, whoever else is going to come around to um, kind of mimic those role, uh, like a mother role in their life. They, They then put all these other expectations on those people. And when those people fall short, but they'll be like, well, my mother did it just fine. And that is a disservice both to their mother and to anybody else who is trying to be a mother because you are disregarding the human struggle that all of those people in that role have had to experience. And it it is, um, it's jarring. And um, uh, I'm even like at a loss as to how to describe the feeling, having kind of been through it a little bit myself. Um, you kind of just feel isolated And put aside because you somehow didn't fulfill this made up expectation of what a mother is supposed to be. The other thing is that um, mothers are not always female. And that's also important for me, especially um, who who does this kind of work. Um, I want to make sure that I am as inclusive as I can be and not all mothers are female. Um, So however, that may express in your life to understand that um, a mother is not always one person. Sometimes um, I know that I've seen with, um, with gay couples where they kind of, th- there's a lot more equity that I've seen anyway, in um, homosexual relationships, and there are in heterosexual ones. And that that mother role can be split between two people. So that means that you may have a mother room that comes from um, one part of a mother room that comes from one parent and one part of a mother room that comes from another parent. And that's just because they split up the responsibilities in such a way. Um, so that's also important to understand. Uh, the other thing is that a mother wound, if you don't have an experience with a biological mother or even an adoptive mother, um, if you were a foster child, if you lived in an orphanage, there are going to be mother figures who come into your life who, are, who may um, abuse you to the extent where you'll get these mother wounds from them. And it's just important to, for me to try to be as inclusive as possible, and that's you know where all this preamble comes from. Um, I I had a very traditional kind of upbringing. I had you know two heterosexual parents. Um, this is normative, however, you know all the all the no- like quote unquote normal you know um, social standards that are required of a f- quote unquote family um but uh though you know my mother um is a narcissist and my father is a covert narcissist with heavy codependent tendencies and <coughs> what um what comes up for, for uh, what comes up in a mother wound really is any wound about um around um your feelings of your own existence your beliefs about your own existence um wounds around being nurtured and supported and wounds about um wounds around um being taken care of so that's really where the mother wound kind of comes from um but the the most important part i think out of all that is really to understand that a mother wound will hit you at at the deepest core of your beliefs around your existence because mothers and the especially with the way that they are portrayed and exemplified in today's society, it's important to understand that because she is a figure that gives birth to you, your existence is literally dependent on on her. If she is a um, she is a person who did not want to be a mother didn't want to give birth to you um didn't want to take you in didn't want to take care of you uh you are going to have some very deep-seated feelings of unworthiness of abandonment of not being good enough to be loved Because the one person who brought you into the world, who was was responsible for your, for your care, when you could not have any way, shape or form been responsible for it on your own, that is, um, that changes, it, it fundamentally changes who you would have been had you not had you had those needs met. And with narcissistic mothers, there is a resentment that exists from the mother to the child about them having to take care of this thing when everything in their life up until that point had been them making sure that everybody was taking care of them. And they're not able to take care of themselves to that kind of it. They, there is no inner um, inner emotional world that they can count on. Um, their uh, physical world is an extension of their inner emotional world, which they don't trust. They don't um, engage with in a healthy way at all. So there is this resentment that exists between a narcissistic mother and her child or children, you know, depending on how many you choose to have, and... Almost from the get go, as the kid to a mother like that, you have to. As, as, I mean, as soon as you are conscious enough to be able to do it, you start performing as much as you can to make sure that your needs are met because you have no idea how to meet a that you have any of those needs. B how to take take care of them on your own. Dude, I mean that's just not that's the whole point of parenting is to teach a child how to take care of themselves not just in a physical sense, but in an emotional, spiritual, and mental sense. All of those things come from years and years of being parented to learn how to do all those things. And if you have a parent who, you have a mother who's not able to do any of those things, you learn very early on, well, she she will do these things for me if I do, you know, she'll do A, B, and C if I do X, Y, and Z. And it is, it is hard when you actually start to break it down as an adult and you realize that that's where you came from. That was your foundation. And trying to unravel all of that as an adult is exhausting and it's heartbreaking. It's really hard to live knowing that by no fault of your own and like that's so important that i hope i uh, like that really kind of etches into all of your minds when when you're doing this work that there is no fault of your own you didn't choose to be born and for whatever reason that the uh, the person who births you had you for whatever reason that may have been this none of this is your fault but unfortunately it becomes your responsibility to clean it up and that also is inherently unfair and What's also, and I I think about that a lot in the sense right now, and we're going to have to, like in in this sense, I'm going to have to bring in um, the stuff that I've talked about over the last couple of weeks about social narcissism and why that's so important to understand, is that a person doesn't become narcissistic on their own, all right? So yes, they had their own parents who were unable to meet their needs, so narcissism was their way of coping with all of that. And then it gets out of hand as they get older. Um, but also society is, at large is feeding into that narcissism as well. All right. So I think I, I, what, what I have seen a lot, and I know this was true for my own mother, is that she, while she on her own, given a choice, didn't want to be a mom, the, the, the social position that being a mother provided her was enough of a reason for her to have kids. Because again, it's all about putting, when you're a narcissist, it's all about putting yourself in a position to be um, praised constantly. So she didn't, was not um, emotionally equipped, um, community wise, unequipped, was just unequipped across the board to actually be a mother. But the one reason that she was one was A, there was an expectation of her and she, you know, as, narcissists do fulfill their social expectations they actually do that very well across the board like for the most part most narcissists do fulfill their social expectations very very well um so it was an expectation of her regardless of how she felt about being a mother she most likely did not have the language at the time to be able to say those out loud um the only time i ever heard it was when she would get pissed off at us it was like i never even wanted you guys you know (coughs) So that's, um, and, and the thing with narcissists is that when they're mad, they say the thing that they're really trying, um, that, that, they, that they've been hiding because they, they don't have the impulse control that they would otherwise um, to control some of those thoughts because it's not socially acceptable. Um, but the other thing was that there was, there, because of society's way of exalting mothers and putting them in the, on this pedestal, she wanted to be on a pedestal. So if that the if the only way available to her, for her to do that was to be a mother, she was going to do that, and no matter the cost to everyone else around her, um, that 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 would affect it was irrelevant. And the reason this came up for me a lot is I. Um, I've been sick twice in the last three months, which is the most I've been sick since 2019. Um, and I, I, you know, when you're when you're sick and you really can't do anything, like you, I, I seriously, like, I'm not, um, I'm one of those people that uh, like just doesn't. Um, like resting like that is, it's not like I rest regularly. I'm not anti-rest at all, actually. Um, But um, this was not a relaxing rest. This was recuperative. I was actually just trying to make sure that my body was healthy. And I, um, one of my, one of my like kind of my my, my, my deep seated core wounds for me is around the health of my body. I have a chronic condition that I'm constantly managing. I have had mental health issues for uh, since I was five, and um, so I am. I've spent a large portion of my life trying to make sure that my body's okay and which is part of the reason why I went into medicine which is part of the reason why I left medicine why I do a lot of holistic stuff holistic healing and holistic medicine now is because um, prevention to me is worth more than a pound of cure and um, I get very frustrated with myself when I get sick and granted in this case uh, the first time around I had RSV this time around I had just a really bad version of the cold um there was no COVID or anything like that it was just there was no strep it was no flu it was just a really bad cold and i am a miserable sick person i have never dealt well um dealt well with being sick i don't enjoy it um i don't like rearranging my life around it um it's part of the reason why, even with a with with celiac, I I just make sure I do all of my preventative stuff so I it doesn't um, interfere with what it is that I want to do on with my life on a day to day basis. And what came up for me while I was sick and feeling and kind of feeling, um, I mean, for lack of a better, I really did feel abandoned by um, some of the important people in my life by really no fault of their own, by the way. Like it's not really like anything they specifically did. Um, But I was brought up against, I I remembered a lot of the ways that my mother was when we were sick. And ironically, for a full-blown narcissist the way that my mother is, she was actually really good at taking care of us when we were sick. She really was. She was attentive and she was... um, you know, uh, caring and checked in on us and made sure that we were okay and took us to the doctor if we needed to for the for the most part you're like almost across the board at least in my experience I can't speak for my siblings necessarily but with me she you know if I was sick at school and I got sick she came and picked me up and didn't complain about it um didn't throw it in my face later on um you know would tell us to go do x y and z and then give us the medicine and whatever you know and her little like she had a bunch of like a little little holistic things that she would do with us that used to work that i am not uh, ashamed to say that i used every one of them when i was sick this past round um and and i was really kind of struggling with reconciling these two um very divergent parts of my mom because as healthy kids she you know whenever we were sick or whatever she took really good care of us i know that even now my dad's health has been declining for years and she takes really good care of my dad um and i was and i'm like but as if we were healthy and fine you'd never knew what was going to set her off you never knew i mean it it would take the the context of an illness out um aside all of a sudden with healthy, you know, relatively healthy people around her, she was a monster. So how do you, how do you as a kid reconcile those two things? Now, I don't, I can't say for sure how that works in her head or any narcissist's head, because, um, I also know that's not an experience that is, um, that is, a. Uh, translated across the board like with, with different mothers across like I'm, it, I, i've ha- I've worked with enough clients with narcissistic mothers that i know that this is kind of like a coin flip whether your narcissistic mother is able to take good care of you when you're sick is a coin flip so um it, it has a lot to do i think with their own internal um expectations that they have of themselves and how they choose to interact with that um But I think that with my mother, knowing my mother the way that I do, um, being able to take care of sick people was was a way to make herself look better in front of other people. And also, I think it was a safe environment for her to allow herself to be who she might have been had she not undergone all the trauma that she went through. Those instances allowed her to be that person without any expectations that she would be that person outside of that context. I don't know if that makes any sense. So like, for example, like what I'm trying to say is that the caring, nurturing mother that I had when, I'm, when I was sick She couldn't be that all the time because her trauma would kick in. But in those instances when we were sick, underneath it all, had she not gone through what she went through and had, you know, had she not had narcissism as a part of her context or had she, you know, healed it in some way, that's who she would have been. Or maybe that's also something as her kid that I choose to believe. You know, it, it could be either way. Like I said, there's no – I don't have a definitive answer on this one thing because it is um, such a coin flip with narcissistic mother as to whether or not they're able to do that. And as I was sick and I'm kind of like working through all this because the one thing is that I don't um, – I don't get sick very often. And so if I get sick this mu- this severely, this close together, yes, part of it is, you know, there's pathogens that are so much more scary than they ever have been before floating around in the air. And also I, I take it as an invitation from my body that there is something that I haven't made time for. And it's forcing me into a position where I have to make, I like, I now have the time to deal with whatever it is that's coming up. And I've always, I've always believed that. Um, I don't think my body does anything by mistake. I don't think if it's experiencing something that feels so severe, that it's by mistake. So I took the time um, to kind of really sit with all of these feelings around my existence, all of these beliefs around my existence that came from my mom. And, and while I, I did learn, I mean, I've, I've known this obviously for a while, but I did learn that, you know what I can, I have, um, reparented myself pretty successfully because I knew how to take care of myself. And I knew that I couldn't, you know, I didn't force myself to go, um, go to go to appointments that I had scheduled last week when I was sick. I moved them. It wasn't that hard to do. Um, it was uh, a bit annoying and frustrating, but you know, nothing, you know, I didn't force myself to go and do stuff that I wasn't ready to do. Um, I, I, made sure that I got the rest that I needed. I made sure that I gave my body um, what it needed. I didn't force food down if I wasn't ready to eat. I know that um, fasting is usually a better state for your body when you are sick. So it has the energy to go and take care and fight off whatever it needs to fight off. And then, you know, I didn't force myself to eat anything because I couldn't get it down anyway, and nothing felt appetizing. So I was like, you know what, my appetite will come back when my body is healthy enough to digest food. Not a big deal. Um, I didn't make it, uh, I didn't make my sickness some sort of moral judgment on myself, which I have done in the past. Um, So all of those things I was really honestly proud of myself that I was able to get through. Um, and then, you know, I also, I think uh, I also was able to kind of heal this this portion of myself, of, of, of the mother wound that I do carry, and recognizing that just as much as I'm complicated, so is my mom. And just because... I know how she ended up the way that she ended up. I know that remembering the things that she did do that were nurturing and, you know, the the quintessential mothering juxtaposed against the things that she considered mothering, but really wasn't mothering at all was just abuse. Um, to understand that she struggles with herself just as much as any of us struggle with ourselves and to give her her humanness to be able to tell my own inner child and inner teenager look your mother was complicated because she's a human and despite everything you think you know you didn't live her experience none of this makes it your fault you didn't none of this none of my experience my childhood none of it was my fault any of the abuse that i encountered none of it was my fault just as much any of the nurturing that i encountered none of that was because of me either and there is a there's a certain amount of growth that's required to be able to hold those two things to those two conflicting ideas in my heart at the same time. And if for nothing else, I was able to grieve the mother I wish I had. I grieved the mother I did have. And, and, I, and I grieved the fact that she didn't have the mother that she should have had. So there was a lot of like generational trauma that came up for me um, with this last sickness. And like the mother wound I know for me, for, for me um, in my family runs for at least five to six generations back, at least. Um, that's what I know of for sure. Um, most likely there was probably more. Um, and so I came out of it, um, I think a little bit more whole. And I hope that if there's anyone else who's kind of going through this right now and and if you're taking all of the necessary precautions about protecting yourself when you're out in the world from illness and you still get sick. And by the way, I do wear masks still all the time. Um, And so uh, that's part of the reason why I haven't gotten COVID yet. That's part of the reason why I haven't. really been sick at all up until now and even now like I've gotten over these illnesses um you know in a timely manner that seems just in line with what my body is supposed to do despite the fact that um you know I do have an autoimmune condition nothing new has popped up as of yet um um I have some mental health things that have uh, have creeped in um but I'm sure those will I will work my way through those um you know, over time, but if you're someone who's, you know, who's experiencing an abnormal amount of illness and only you under, only you know what are normal for you and what's, what's out of the norm for you right now. Um, what I'm inviting you to do is that, and you're, if you're actively like working on healing your trauma and you're experiencing out-of-the-norm illnesses for yourself, um, those illnesses are biological and and sometimes they're spiritual. So I'm just going to invite you to take a look at it from another lens, from a different perspective, and see if there's something that you can resolve within yourself that maybe needed some tending to. And also remember that a lot of these things, sometimes some of these wounds, especially if you do this work regularly, um, consistently, sometimes you need a change in internal environment to be able to trigger some of the stuff to come up. I wasn't really going to come across a a, a a mother wound around being sick until I was sick. Like it was just not going to happen unless I was in that state again, and I could remember all of those things. And the memory would be triggered from when I was sick before. I've never really, you know, there's really the only way that I was going to be able to remember any of those things that that trauma was ever going to be triggered was because I had to be in a state that was going to be similar to the one where I experienced the trauma in the first place. Um, So Hopefully this helps someone. I know that I felt really alone when I was going through it. And I know that that's not true. Um, the, The wounds around abandonment wounds and worthiness wounds and being able to be loved wounds, those are all just so foundational to our existence as humans. And to give yourself some grace, to give yourself some closure, um, can be really really helpful and also to know that you know what you're not alone no matter how much you feel like you are you're not and um and I hope that in that sense this this helps whoever it's supposed to help today thanks so much for listening guys and I will see you again next week bye bye Thanks so much for listening to the Cherished You podcast. If you could please leave me a review, um, subscribe, and share, it really helps get the podcast out to those who it will help the most.